How many believe that Jesus is the answer? For the world today, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. I'm calling on Jesus today. Well, pastor, there were school shootings. I'm calling on Jesus. Well, have you heard the latest numbers in the inflation and the gas prices? I'm calling on Jesus. Have you heard about what they're going to do in Russia? I'm calling on Jesus. Have you heard what they said about you on Facebook and Google and all that? I'm calling on Jesus. They say your baby's not going to survive. What you doing, Karina? Calling on Jesus. We got our newest member here today, Hezekiah Bonilla. Hallelujah. The doctor said it wouldn't happen. She argued with them all. She believed by faith. And the baby's with us today. We're never going to let Hezekiah forget that miracle. Amen. And just as an encouragement to you and your testimony, because you overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and not loving your life unto death, that comes from Revelation. You better share your testimony when the Lord has you do it. I was shaking somebody's hand after service. Bonilla, uh, Brother Joseph, uh, is always with me after service to make sure we get people where they need to go when they're asking questions about the ministries I'm fellowshipping. So he was there as my right-hand man. And I was greeting a young brother, and uh, everything was going good. And he saw that I was just moving on, not trying to be rude. If you see me doing that, I just see other people I'm going to hang out with and just try to talk to everybody, you know. And uh, the brother just, you know, he said, hold on, hold on. But can I share something with you? A testimony. And I go, sure, share the testimony. And he didn't know who was standing next to me. He didn't know that his wife had already been in and out of the hospital with the threat of losing a child, that the complications they were finding in the MRIs or those x-rays were basically saying, you might have to lose this baby, or we might have to come in and cut the child out. We don't know what's going to happen, but she kept standing by faith, okay? But this brother stopped me, and he said, I have got to share this with you. I'm a miracle child. I wasn't supposed to make it out of my mother's womb. God has a purpose for my life. I want you to pray for me. That man stopped me to tell me that. And Joseph was standing right there next to me. And this was a few weeks before his baby was born. I said, brother, I want you to take that as a testimony of what's going to happen with baby Hezekiah. Hezekiah is coming forth out the womb, and he's going to be one of those that grab a hold of a pastor one day and say, hold on, no, don't just just pass me by yet, pastor. You got to know I'm a miracle child and I have a plan on my life. Pray for me in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, I'm happy to be in church today. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 21. I want to speak to you about the joy of folly contrasted versus the joy of God. So I want you to think in your mind, on one side is the joy of folly, on the other side is the joy of God. How many today want the joy of God? How many have some friends that have the joy of folly? As Forrest Gump said, the famous theologian, stupid is as stupid does. When people are in their folly, they find a joy in it. And they'll try to draw you in by the joy that they have. And they'll distract you from the joy of God. Now, there are a few situations I want to bring up before we read this that I felt the Lord give me to share with you to to give context to this sermon. Because if you know, in our church, we do different things for our services as the word of the Lord goes. Right now in first service, I'm going verse by verse to the book of John. You in second service had just concluded verse by verse to the book of Galatians. By God's grace, we'll be taking a journey uh, to a book of the Bible soon. Between now and then, I'm trying to be led of the Lord, preach 
preaching ex uh, ex contemporaneously, extemporaneous, extemporaneous is the word. Spontaneous is also a good word. I should use that one. But look up extemporaneous, a uh, man of God. Joby puts you to work. That's what I do on these services. And there's these situations that I like to bring up to bring encouragement to you. Is that right? Extemporaneous. I got it right now. I got myself a degree. I just can't talk all the time. Amen. Pray for me. And uh, that's why I get you know I get paid to do this for a living. But sometimes I don't don't do it very well. But how many are patient with the preacher? Amen. And, and if I'm stuttering and still up here, what's holding you back from doing what God called you to do? Amen. And uh, I said, Amen. So if you're, I mean, imagine me staring over your shoulder watching you do your job, but you still got to do it. That's what a preacher's doing every time. You watching me do my job, amen? But I'm up here doing it, so go do something great for God this week. I'll even use the starter to preach. That's a good preacher, amen? I said amen. I'll even use that to preach to you because we don't get discouraged. We keep going. Some of you make excuses. Get better, not, not bitter. Stay in the Word of God and watch what He'll do to you. Don't get jealous of what other people have. If I want to be good at my craft and want to preach extemporaneous, i got to remember that word extemporaneous. So I'm, I've, I've been doing this, and one of the things the Lord brought to me was uh, a review that we got this last, last week on Google. I don't know if you can even reply to these things. You might want to check it out if you can. You can pray for her. I don't, I don't want to embarrass her. But she came to a service and she said, uh, you know, I used to go to Metro Praise. Some things happened in my life, so I decided to come back. And, man, that service really disappointed me. Uh, the preacher kept going on about people's sins, and I just needed some help. And the people were cheering, and I thought that was a cult, and so I'm going to go try to find another church, you know. That was basically their, their response. Now, I don't know what that person was going through. But, uh, you know, I can imagine that they thought that this was going to run a little bit differently by, by their description. They thought that the best way for me to fix their problems was to be like Dr. Phil and just talk about their problems in the way that I would approve of those problems and feel sorry for them. But that's not the way the Bible talks about problems, is it? I said, is it? Second service, y'all even here, are you on vacation? Is this what happened? Is this a holiday weekend? Help me out. Help the preacher out. And I'm not so insecure. I need the amens, but I do feel that it makes the service go a little bit better for me because then I don't know what's, what you really get in. And I'm not the kind of person I just want to talk and then not know if you get it. So that's why I like the call and response, okay? So I was uh, looking at that going, well, this woman might have had a real situation going on. And I might have been talking about God's judgment that day because remember we talked about the wrath of God for a few weeks. And that might have missed where she is at. That's very true. But who knows whether or not the situation she was facing actually had to deal with sins and issues in her life. Because if it did deal with sins and issues in her life, let's say she's having problems with her baby daddy. I was talking about things that could have related to that if she would have knew how to connect it. Stop going with these kind of dudes and you'll stop having what these dudes do in your life. Amen. Come on. And, and maybe she had an addiction and wants to get free. Well, Jesus sets you free from an addiction. So what I noticed was, and I don't know her situation. I don't. So I'm not trying to judge or speak to it. But what I noticed as I was looking at that and the Lord was bringing it to me in prayer is that people oftentimes feel that the church is supposed to be a hospital and not a battleship. And what they don't understand is on the battleship, we have a hospital. But, but a cruise ship never has the weapons of a battleship. And so you have to be ready in the church and in Christianity to get at war with the devil. You've got to be ready to fight. And, and some of you are going through problems, and the devil is taking advantage of you through those problems and those open doors, and you're wondering why you're suffering so much, and it's because you are in your folly. 
Now, I'm not saying everybody in all times suffers because of their folly. That would be very superstitious, and the Bible rebukes that thinking. As the disciples saw the sick man, who sinned, him or his parents? Because only bad things happen to bad people, right, Jesus? That's not what I'm saying. Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. This is for the glory of God. God allows bad things to happen to good people all the time. How many have known good people to get fired from the job? I'm not talking about the ones being lazy and talking bad about the boss. I'm talking about you seeing good people fired. How many have seen good people mistreated? Amen? It happens. So good things can happen to bad people, and bad things can happen to good people. Let's not be superstitious and say, oh, you blessed. You must be blessed because they got the promotion. They could be wicked as all get out. You know, not, it just doesn't work that way. So th- there is a trust that we give God. So what I, what I was thinking as I was looking at that review is, what if she just trusted God and said, you know what, if this church is on my heart, and I've been here before, and I know that there are a place that preaches the word, why not trust that maybe that message was to help you in a way you weren't really expecting? Maybe if you went home and looked at those scriptures, because I don't know what service it was, but it, it, it seems recent, and I was talking about the wrath of God in the last couple of weeks. And how many know the wrath of God is a tough pill to swallow for anybody at, state, at whatever stage you're at in Christianity? I mean, those are tough messages. But what if the wrath of God and the understanding of that, which brings the fear of the Lord, would keep her from sin and folly, and then that would deliver her from her problems, and now she would be sitting here shouting and whooping, knowing that God did something great in her life? Because we don't have our right to tell God how to implement his word into our lives. I know for me, I would like to learn about God's word going from success to success to success. But how many know sometimes you're not ready to learn God's word until you've gone through failure? Until you've gone through your own mistakes? How many of you had to date people before you met your spouse? How many had to learn through those dating relationships, the wrong one, you know, to to date the right, to get the right one, you had to go to the wrong one. I had a person in my life I was about ready to ask to marry me. I went to surprise her. She came to the car, picked me up from the airport crying and says, I've been cheating on you. But how many know I had to go through that to get Boobster Boo because there's nobody like Nancy. She's not going to cheat on me. Amen? So, I understand we would like to go from success to success to success. It is promised to us, and there's no excuse for our failure. We shouldn't just say, well, I'm failing so God can teach me. At the same time, we should understand that if we are running up against a wall, if we are facing problems, especially anguish of the soul, we may have to try something different to get a different result. If you go to churches that just keep whooping and hollering and telling you how good you are and how things are always going to change, but they don't get to the root of what's the fruit, you see that fruit has a root in your life. There's a reason why a lot of things are broken records in people's lives. They're going around on the gerbil wheel. You see, if you don't get to that root, you can't change the fruit. And oftentimes it comes at us in a way that we may not be ready for. God has taught me about finances while I've been going into debt. You say, well, did it need to take all of that? No, my dad is a financial planner. It didn't take all that, but I wouldn't listen to my father. So in Bible college at Piggly Wiggly, that's the grocery store I used to go to, yeah, in Bible. You know about Piggly Wiggly? Yeah, yeah, Piggly Wiggly in Gretna, I had to learn swiping that card to get ramen and for them to look at me and say, insufficient funds. That's when I realized as a 19-year-old, I better have a budget, Because mom and dad aren't going to swing by right now and help me out at Piggly Wiggly. It was embarrassing. Have you ever been there before? Amen. Say amen or oh my, but it's coming. 
Oh, my, Pastor, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But it's true. And then now what do you learn? You learn a budget. Next time I go to Piggly Wiggly, I'm not having them tell me insufficient funds. And God wants to teach us through our folly, wherever folly may be, that that's not for us. I thank God that many of us here came to the Lord through the ups and downs or really the turmoil of our bad decisions because if you would have had success in your folly, you may not have come to the Lord. So I thank God that some of you have not had success. And and it was the same thing for me because if I would have gotten my dream of being like a POD, limp biscuit, rapper, rocker guy, that's what I was trying to be in the suburbs. If I would have had that dream come true, Cypress Hill, I may not have even even had the chance to get saved because I would have been so in that world. I could have died of an OD. And a lot of uh, the people I looked up to did. And so God works out everything for his own glory, even our folly. But we have to be ready to embrace that message when it comes. So what I want to talk to you today is about the joy of folly in contrast to the joy of God. And then the second example that I want to give you for this message is my own personal life. I was thinking about why I still have temptation of sexual adultery and perversion. 20 plus years in the ministry, almost been saved now for 30 years, and I still can be tempted to lust after someone that is not that hot mama right there, that bonita senorita. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't watch pornography. I haven't looked at it since 96. Everybody should ask the man or woman in their life when was the last time you looked at it or an accountability. You should ask each other that. I haven't looked at pornography since 96. I haven't been with any woman in a sexual way after the point I got saved in 95 until I married. So why would I still have temptation of fantasies? So aside from this woman not understanding what was happening and what God was doing, God spoke to me, which you might say is the opposite of what what, what she would be because she sounds like a new baby Christian or, or maybe a lost person and her struggles, she can't connect to the word of God. But here you have someone advanced in the things of God, a doctorate, you know, by God's grace, over 20 years of ministry, almost 30 years saved. And I'm driving in my car going, why do I still have fantasies? Why do I still have sexual perverted ideas that come in my mind and make me uh, sense a, 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 a pleasure that I'll get out of this? Like, why don't I think of that fantasy like, like uh, nails on a chalkboard? Why don't I think about it like liver? There's only two foods that I can eat. I can eat anything else. You bring me over. You don't even have to ask me what, what I want. Just put it in front of me. I'm eating it unless it's liver or sea urchin. And you might wonder how I found out about sea urchin. That was at a sushi restaurant when I was being all big and cool saying, I'll eat everything you bring. Well, they brought something I couldn't eat called sea urchin. So anyways, why isn't sexual temptation to me like liver, sea urchin, like something that the moment it touches my lips or stomach, you know, in my spirit, I just go, ah, get that out. Why is there still some kind of a draw to that? Now, you know I've taught here on the, the flesh and how it wars against the spirit. And, and I was, you know, you know, going through this in my mind, and I understand those teachings. And I was thinking about, you know, how the Bible uh, warns us against perversion. And I was reading through Proverbs, and it says that uh, this woman will draw you in, and then her, her sting will kill you in the end like, like a viper, and, and you'll be in a place of regret. And so you need to know the, the goodness of God before you get drawn into this trap. Like, I understand. Understood all that, but my question 
My question was a little bit different. It was, why is the temptation so tempting? Has anybody ever asked themselves that? Am I alone? I mean, I could be. I'm just asking, have you ever faced it? Come on. And God gave me this message for you. Are you ready for it? So whether you're a baby Christian and you don't understand why churches like this talk about the commands of God in the way that we do, or you're an advanced Christian, and now because I've asked you, you're thinking about it, why does temptation have that edge to it? Why can't it just always appear disgusting so that it's not even tempting? I want to talk about that today. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. Amen. The joy of folly in contrast to the joy of God. Here we're in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 21. Folly brings joy to the one who has no sense. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Can I tell you why that woman did not understand that service? It's because she takes pleasure in folly. Does everybody get it? Don't mean to be rude, but that's why. Do you want to know why? To this day, a pastor could still find pleasure in the joy or in the, in the temporary sexual deviancy of adultery or perversion because I have no sense in that moment. There is no other way around it. Every temptation you and I will ever face will come down to the point of whether or not you understand what that is or you don't. And if you still have a moment in temptation, which I'm trying to make it relatable to you by telling you my situation, if you still have a joy that comes from the sense of that sin, you don't have the sense of what that sin is. And so I began to search my heart, and I began to say, God, help me now to go to a place in my spiritual walk that I have never been before. Because I have always fought the battle of temptation and sexual perversion from the point of I know that it's wicked, I know that it's wrong, and I won't give in to it. But Lord, now I want to fight it from the point of view where I have no pleasure even in it. Did everybody get that? That it would not even bring me pleasure. That it could not even be a fantasy. Now, some of you might be at the place where you're still battling the actual sin. And as I've talked about before, I'll give this example all the time. Some are here in their Christian walk where this is the line between holiness and sin. And each day, you have to decide, man, where am I going to be in this line? Because sin is really that close. As the Bible said to Cain before he killed his brother Abel, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to have mastery over you. But those of us who have been in maturity for a while, we've learned how to back away from that edge. So for me to fall into adultery, that temptation or sexual perversion pornography, it wouldn't be that quick. I would have to break a lot of rules along the way and go through walls of accountability because maturity has set me away from that line. Can I hear an amen? That's why I can preach this to you and not sit down and be disciplined by the church because I am not today considering those things as a reality. But what I'm going to do is be honest in the depths of the heart, these steps behind here. Now, how fast can a pastor go from here to there? That probably could happen pretty fast. But it's still going to be a longer period than it is for people where this is their reality every single day. 
Oh, pastor, I'm about ready to fall into this, about ready to go into this. That's because you're living too close to the line. You haven't cut off, listen, you haven't cut off the pornography yet. You haven't cut off, cut off the questionable music yet. You haven't cut out the, the nights out with your friends. You haven't got accountability into your life. You haven't established the prayer time yet. You're not studying and memorizing the word. See, when you do that, that backs you away from that line. Can I hear an amen? How many are going from glory to glory to glory? Amen? How many are done going from glory to glory to glory? How many are done with sin? Just you broke up with the devil, you're living for Jesus? Amen. But what I want to do is back here. This is what I want to do. Back here in this position, I don't even want to hear that as a pleasure. I don't want to hear it as a pleasure in my soul. I want to be able to stop it as it comes immediately as the nonsense and the folly that it is to the point, if I could use an example, that if you tied me down and put strippers on these poles and then checked my blood pressure, it's not moving. And you could check other things and it's not moving. Can I hear an amen? Now, some people get uncomfortable when the pastor talks like this, so you want to go down to the church down the road where the pastor acts on what I'm talking about. See, the difference between me and most of the pastors is I keep it real here so I don't have to come out there in my sin. And I'm not saying I'm the only holy pastor, but I'm just being honest with you through my journey of holiness so that I don't have to be surprised by sin. And if I'm not surprised by sin, you won't be surprised by sin. And 50 years from now, we can all be in our nursing homes talking about, wasn't God good back then? He kept us and he was good to us. Hallelujah. I never backslid after I met him at 18, 1995. Hallelujah. He's kept me holy, saved and sanctified. Hallelujah. That's, when you get old, you all talk like that anyway. You have a little southern twang too. Everybody got to talk like that. But I began to understand that, that there's no excuse even for a pastor to find pleasure in sin because I can't prevent what the devil tempts me with. If Jesus can be tempted by the devil, I can be tempted by the devil. Can I get an amen? But what I can do is prevent what I find pleasure in. So some of you, like I said, you're right here, and, and it could happen tonight. It could happen tomorrow because you're, you're so close to sin and that folly that, that you have not got separated from it. It's a part of your habit. But what I want to do is talk not only to those folks, but I want to talk to these people that are way back here, that it's, it's, it's not even in your plans for the day. You're not, you know, flirting with somebody. You don't have an email or you're not hooking back up on Facebook with an old boyfriend, which, by the way, let me just point this out. You have to be careful about how you lead, uh, let people back into your life. I was hosting a pastor in New Orleans at a conference uh, uh, at our church there, and you know what? He connected with an old girlfriend that lived in the city, went out with her, cheated with her, went and moved with her. The pastor's wife had to come to my house to ask where her husband was at, and that man had been in the ministry longer and saved longer than I am today. So, I mean, it can happen. So he would, but here was the thing. He was, he was breaking those rules. He was having private conversations with women, which I refuse to do in Jesus' name. So how can I even set up an affair with you if I'm not having a private conversation with you? Read my mind. Meet me at the hotel. Come on, it's not going to happen. Are you listening? You can't do it. I have to, see, I have to already have a, a barrier that I break that I, I'm okay with talking to females by myself. 
Because how else am I going to plan something, right? And then the same thing with the Internet, that, that I'm on pornography, uh, that I have the availability to that, and my wife can't check my phone and all of that. So what I want to do is talk to people back here, though, who have these, uh, these boundaries in their life, who want to remain holy. I want you and I to look at sin not as something that's pleasurable, but we're giving up for God, but for something for what it really is, wickedness, perversion, filthiness, and something that disgusts you. Can I hear an amen? I can do that with some sins. Like right now, you come blowing smoke in my face like the Marlboro man. <coughs> Get that out of here. But I used to be addicted to cigarettes, smoke a pack a day. Back then, we, we didn't vape, and it didn't smell like cotton candy. It smelled like the ashtray. Anybody here back in those days had, had to be around that? So now, you know, uh, every now and then I'll be around these guys because I'm out wakeboarding or doing something, and I'm like, cotton candy? Circus in town? And then I'm like watching some dude vape, and I'm oh, y'all changed the game now, okay? But still, that's not tempting to me. It's not tempting. It's disgusting to me. If you were to ask me about drunkenness, disgusting to me, man. I am not tempted to be drunk anymore because I know what it feels like to be bowing down to the porcelain god, a.k.a. the toilet, puking your brains out. So if I'm ever going to indulge in alcohol and drink with Jesus, as I call it, at the wedding and enjoy fellowship, I'm going to do it in a way that I'm not ashamed or embarrassed or physically hurting myself. Can I hear an amen? Those are just some things. Another thing that, that I just don't want is I don't want to gossip. There's, you know, some people, they love to gossip. They get, they get some adrenaline out of it. Man, gossip just annoys me. It's something about a cowardly spirit and, and, and going around somebody's back. I just don't like it. Like, I see it so clearly for what it is. I'm not a trash can. These ears aren't your waist bin. Don't bring that garbage here. Can I hear an amen? Now, don't lie in church, but some of y'all still deal with that, okay? But something about sexual perversion. See, that's something that I could sense a fantasy there and go, oh, that could work. Oh, that, 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 would, that could feel good. That could, that could make me feel better today. And the devil is a liar. And I don't mean to embarrass my wife by having such a real conversation with you because she knows that I, uh, I confess this to her as I'm learning how to no longer see sex with someone other than her as even an option of pleasure. Once again, no pornography, no adultery, no emails on the side. There's nothing in my life to confess. Now I'm telling you I got to sit down. I can't be your pastor anymore. I'm just telling you that I want to be to the place that no sin has any place of even pleasure in my life. Now, this is difficult because when you look at even sexual sin, it's difficult because drunkenness is always bad. It's never a good thing. But see, sexuality is a good thing in its right place. So it's going to go a little bit deeper than the things that we were talking about. You're never going to gossip and it be a good thing. You're never going to do some of those things and it be a good thing. But there are some sins that the only thing that changes it from being blessed to curse is whether or not you're keeping it according to God's word. Can I hear an amen? Is sex bad? No. Is enjoying a, 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 the opposite sex body bad? No. That's why when God made a woman, he put the man to sleep, he woke up, looked at her, and said what? Whoa, man. God, you're good. God, you're good. Whoa, man. Let's go. Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Where? Right here. Let's go. Just being honest. But here I have to now see that if God makes a line and says here is clean 
and then here is unclean, I don't get the permission to now say, but it feels good even if it's unclean, so I kind of want it. I don't get the permission to do that. I have to bring my heart to the Lord and say, God, if this, that, if this is over here clean and then this is over here is unclean, then God, I need to know that if that line is crossed, it will not bring me pleasure. Look at that scripture again. Because who's the only one that finds pleasure or joy in the sin? It's the fool, the one who is taking pleasure in the folly. Am I a fool? No, are you a fool? No, see, folly brings joy to the one who has what? No sense. Let's all think about, come on, let's, let's get the images in our mind, of all the pastors and leaders you've respected who have had no sense. I'm looking at some of them crying on national TV right now. I'm thinking about some of my leaders that I pastored with and served with. One of the first pastors I served with, imagine this. I'm young, 18 years old, just came off the streets, just got out the clinic. Now I'm healthy and whole in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm no longer doing wild and crazy things. Imagine this. I'm a young man, and every time I show up to hang out with this pastor, he's the one that had the all-night prayer meeting. If you ever heard me talking about Donald and how I met him and was discipled in a nursing home by Donald, the pastor who led that all-night prayer meeting, every time I saw him, he was with the church secretary. Now imagine this, man. you just newly saved, 18 years old. That's what I was, 18 years old. And I'm hanging out with this pastor, but the secretary always there. I don't know anything. I don't know appropriateness or nothing. I go to Bible college. I start to learn these things. You know what I find out? Cheats on his wife with that woman. Isn't that something? That was the first pastor that I ever had in my life. That man that I respected that helped me get off drugs, stay holy, you know, not turn back to my, my old sin, was having a sexual relationship with the secretary and was so brazen in the sin that he would meet, come on, he would meet with a young man and put her in front of me. How foolish do you have to be? Jack Scott of First Hammond Baptist, about ready to get out of jail from counseling a 16-year-old girl by himself, having sexual relationships with her, bringing her across the border, and yet he would preach just like me or better than me, and he could hide that sin and have it with a teenager. He should be happy to be alive and not already have met Jesus, amen? I don't say that to be rude. I say that to be honest, man. Like people who hurt people like that, man, I, I, I feel for you. Like if you've been tempted that way, you can repent and go to heaven. But, you know, you need to go to heaven quicker than all of us. And if, you, if the justice system has allowed you to be alive, then we're here to help you. Make sure you never do that again. Amen? Can I hear an amen? And so what I want to challenge you with taking it off of me now, not this big spotlight on me, I want to put it on you for a second. What is that temptation, if there is, and if you're, if you're beyond me in this, that's okay, because I can still pastor you, and that's amazing that we can serve each other in this way. You may be better than me at this, but I wanted to be very humble and transparent. I want to now ask you, what is that sin or sins that still come tempting to you that actually equal pleasure? It's not that you're turning aside from it because of the folly and the uh, distaste that it brings to you. You're doing it because of hard discipline. What are those things that if the Lord moved the line, you would actually say, hey, man, I could be good with this. Like if God said to me, hey, changing the laws on polygamy, we going back to Abraham times, Joe, you get another one. Let's be honest. 
Would my heart be like, oh, Lord, I don't need another one. I'm good. Hold up. No, no, really, I'm not. See, would I go to polygamy just like that? There are Christian polygamy organizations right now. They're no more Christian than I'm an astronaut, but they call themselves that because they try to go back to those times. But you see, remember I told you with sexuality, it's just a line that God drew. At this time, he allowed polygamy for these reasons. He never blessed it. He never put his command on it. He just said it could be done, and he would turn his, other, his wrath from it just like with divorce. It was not his best. And then he told us what his best was, Adam and Eve, man and woman, one coming together, becoming two. Can I hear an amen? Where's your line? Like if right now I said, hey, man, church is good with weed. We just made our decision. Y'all can smoke it if you want, even if you're not sick. Because people always ask me, what's the purpose of it? I'm like, it's medicine. That's, use it as medicine according to a doctor. Well, my doctor said I need it. No, no, no. I'm talking about real medicine. That's why we use it, uh, you know, the seed-bearing plants and herbs. It's medicine. If you're not sick and you don't have issues, you don't need it. But if we said right now in this church, let's be honest, if we said in this church, hey, we just voted on this. This is all good now. How many would just start smoking right now? Oh, man, okay, cool. Pastor says it's good. The Bible says it's good, you know? Or what if this church said, hey, you know what? We've changed our stance on LGBTQ. You know what? We understand it now. We believe that it's acceptable unto God. You're free to do it. You just jump into it. So, so in other words, you would be waiting for permission from a religion or any other kind of, uh, of organization to give it to you. And once you had it, boom, you'd be gone. See, that really shows your heart, doesn't it? You see, I want to follow God's commands, not just because of what a religious organization has said or just because of what my pastor said or what somebody else said. I want to follow Jesus in his commands because I am one with understanding. I have the understanding to keep a straight course. I am not a person who lacks sense. Can I hear an amen? It's up to you how you look at this battle for righteousness. Because I want to tell you, the joy of sin is a deception. The only one today that is enjoying sin is the fool. That's the only one. So whenever we see sin being enjoyed, that is the fool. I've watched people try to convince me of sin being pleasurable, but all they're trying to do is to convince me two plus two is five. It's folly. It's stupidity. Can I hear an amen? Go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. That was just the introduction. You all ready for the message? Amen. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. A lot of these will come from Proverbs. But I'm going to end, I believe, with some application points. But I just want to build this up a few more points on the word. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Women. Do you still think looking sexy for someone other than your husband is hot? Because if you do, what you are doing is really looking like a pig with an earring in your nose. And you think you look hot, but you are deceived from what you're really looking at. It's not hot. But yet there are still, and I see this more with females than I do males, I still see females trying to walk that line as far as they can because it feels good to have a sexy dress on. It feels good to have my cleavage out, as the women would say. It feels good to have men talk to me. You see, if you're just that close to wanting to be like that, 
The Bible says you're like a pig that feels okay in the mud. See, women, you have to guard your purity. I'm not saying any man can do what they want to a woman even if she was naked on the streets. I will never blame the victim. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, women, you were given the gift of external beauty and attraction by God. And each woman is a beautiful creation of God. But women, you were not meant to use that beauty to get people to look at you in vanity to build up your self-esteem with the things that you can cheaply display. And yet we, will, we are as casual as can be in this church and comfortable, and you can come however you like as dressed up to as casual as you are, and yet we will still have to talk to women in the church saying, this is not appropriate for our setting. Yes, we do have those conversations. Why? Because... First of all, they know me as a man, and they don't want me looking at you like that. Didn't you just hear my confession? Are you listening to me? That's, that's number one is the men of God and women of, uh, the men of God leading. Maybe some women who are like other women. We, we just don't want those sources of temptation. The second thing is we want you to respect yourself in a community and culture that wants you to be looked at for who you are, not what you have. Amen. And yet people will get mad at me for reading that exact verse. White privilege, male privilege, the patriarchy, calling beautiful women pigs. Who do you think you are? That's how the world thinks about us as Christians, don't they? Or at least some of them do. Who am I to judge what Shakira and J-Lo do at the Super Bowl? That's my culture. I remember that. I was like, I've always pastored a majority of Latino people. I know you're my gente. I'm your gringo pastor. Amen. And we go out for pastor tacos. Why would it shock you that me and my wife rebuke the, pa the halftime show of J-Lo? I rebuke the one of Miley. I rebuke them all. But yet people in my church at that time, it caused a big commotion. Don't you know that's my culture? You don't know my culture. No, your culture ain't letting your booty hang out. That is not your culture, Latinas. You come from mighty men and women of God. You come from the fuego espirito santo in the casa. You come from the campanas of the men of God and the women of God. Amen. That's your culture. And that's what made me laugh because I'm like talking to my Latino friends and pastors and I'm like, they think that's their culture and they go to church. They don't even know their culture. Your culture is not the sound of a drumbeat, the dress that you wear. It's who you have as your Lord and Savior and he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We put Christ's culture above everything. I mean, that would be as foolish as me saying, man, I love me some Miley Cyrus. She's amazing. Daughters, watch Miley Cyrus because that's your culture. What would you do if I did that with Miley? That's your culture. That's what the white people do. That's how white people dance these days. Come in like a wrecking ball. -na 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 -na. You know, and it's like, that's your culture. Learn how to sing it, kids. You just don't understand. No, you don't understand sin. The one arguing with us, the one in debate with us, does not understand what sin is. You're all still looking at pigs with rings thinking it's beautiful. And it's not. 
That's why I'm telling you, after all of these years of contemporary church, I only did suit church for a while, and it got really hot and sticky, so I, I started being casual, and I've been doing this for a long time, even before it was cool, okay? I'm just being honest with you. I was doing this before these other dudes were doing it, okay? And I want to tell you something. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for those who still wear suits and dresses because I would rather you be concerned about how someone can take you wrong than to try to walk that line and cause people to stumble and everybody look at you that way. It's just not the best thing. In other words, I would rather us go back to reading the King James. We all wear suits and dresses and just get over it. Like I would be the first one to give up my freedom to wear jeans and a, and a really cool shirt, by the way. Does anybody like this shirt? We're going to start making these for the church in Jesus' name. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's coming back soon. Amen. But I would give up my T-shirt going back to suits and collars if that meant you and I could avoid having people look at us for the wrong reasons. I would do it. I would give up our church beliefs in moderation of alcohol because we think that's literally what's going on there. I mean, you can't say they were only drinking grape juice. Jesus didn't make grape juice. And the guy go, man, this is the best grape juice at the party. How many know you don't talk like that about grape juice? So whatever that man is tasting, he says, this is the best wine, right? I would say, let's get rid of all of that if people couldn't handle moderation. I would rather be too strict than too loose because in the strictness, it teaches you why those boundaries are there. In other words, I could probably follow the lines on a mountain trail when I was up with my family going through the Sahara, Nevada. If I was to drive down there, I could probably drive there without the guardrails. But if you ask me the question, would you rather have the guardrails or no guardrails, what do you think I would say? I would, I would rather have the guardrails. I would rather us be strict than just let anything go. Does anybody else agree with that? If you don't, that's okay. But I'm just saying, does anybody else see that in the church we've gotten so comfortable that no one really wants to say anything anymore? And we're not understanding these are all temptations to sin. Go with me here to the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. How many are encouraged today? I'm encouraged. I always say this is the opposite of the Catholic Church. Catholic Church, you go into a dark closet, confess to a priest your naughty things. The pastor here comes in front of the bright lights, confess to you his things. Amen? How many are going to pray for me? Man, we need to pray for Pastor Joe. Thank you. When did you stop? I want to finish my race. I want to finish my race. I want to be able to say to my children, I have never looked at pornography since 96. Wouldn't that be awesome? I want to be able to say to my children, I have never cheated on your, your mom, and I have never engaged in a relationship that could lead to that. I would love to then be able to say to them what I'm telling you now, and all temptation to me has become unpleasurable, that there is no more pleasure in any temptation. This is my spiritual growth as a 45-year-old man in the Lord. Does anybody want to grow to only find joy in the Lord? And no temptation has any pleasure. That's what I'm aiming for today. When you look at 1 John chapter 2, look at what it says. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from the Father, not from the Father rather, but from the world. The world and its desires do what? Pass away. But whoever does the will of God does what? Lives forever. Thank you. Can I have all my children up here, please? All that are in this service, let's give it up for church kids. <laughs> Amen. You always got to have a special. 
This one is more than welcome to come as well, but I was calling up my literal children, but you can consider part of the children of the house. I uh, don't want to embarrass you or her because she can come on up, amen? Everybody like, people will then try to figure out how that happened, but it's all right, amen? And there's my last one. Let's give it up for the last but not least. You see, the Bible says that the love of the Father is greater than the love of the world. I can relate to that because the love that I have for each one of them as a father, Bethany, Hannah, Lucas, Zoe, Joy, and Titus, the love that I have for them as a father is greater than anything in this world. There is no pleasure, everybody get this, I would ever have in something that would harm them. Does everybody get that? I take zero pleasure in anything that would harm them. And that's the way the Father looks at us. He's looking at me like I look at this one. Is this not the cutest little boy you've ever seen right here? You know, come on. You got some cute ones back there. These are cute. Or have a kid. No, I'm kidding. But I have the mic. No, I'm kidding. This one is so cute. God looks at us like the way I look at him. And my father, our father is saying, Joe, there is no pleasure in that world. There is no fantasy that brings you joy outside of my will. Just like when I look at him and I say, anything that would harm you, anything that would come against you, I take no pleasure. All I want is his good. All I want is his prosperity. All I want is his blessing. Do I have an amen from any parents here with beautiful sons and daughters? And yet God is saying, you know what competes for his love and affection is our lust. These filthy, dirty, disgusting lusts. And God is saying back to us, is not my love enough? Why would you leave my love for something disgusting? How many know if any of my children started doing bad things to themselves, harming themselves, cutting themselves, you know, doing things to harm themselves, how many know that would break my heart in a million pieces? And yet we're breaking the heart of our Father when we go after these sins and we go, oh, it feels good. And God says, it shouldn't. Joe, that fantasy shouldn't even feel good to you. That, that temptation, it shouldn't feel good to you because you should be so full of the love I have for you that all you see is my love and my joy and my peace and my presence. Can I hear an amen? Let's give it up for church, kids. Love you guys. You did it. Extra ice cream when we go home. You didn't embarrass dad. That's okay. Sometimes I, I still give them ice cream after they embarrass me. Turn with me in your scriptures to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. I want every one of you to memorize this scripture, and I want you to pray it over your life until every pleasure of sin is gone, until every temptation has lost its edge over you. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil, was there any pleasure that the devil could pull on like a hook in Jesus? Well, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Was there, was there a hook of Jesus' hunger that the devil could pull to actually make Jesus contemplate whether or not he should do that? 
No, even Jesus in starvation knew that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He understood that to make bread out of stones would not pleasure his soul. He would be better in the continuation of his fast than to break the commandment of God. He understood that the true satisfaction of his soul was not in that bread. It was in the word of God. Think about it. The devil did not have a pleasure hook in him. I don't want a pleasure hook in me. Not only do I not want to stay away, do I want to stay away from sin, I want no pleasure in sin. Can I hear an amen? How many don't want pleasure in sin? You don't want it to be something that you could or couldn't do depending on your mood or depending on how a church advised you or depending on whether or not you could get away with it. There is no pleasure in it. The pleasure of the sin has been removed from your heart. That's what I believe God can do in us. Look at what he said. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. You see, those who lack sense find joy in folly. But those who have the love of the Father, they find their joy in the presence of God and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's where I want to be. I want to be in my heart that whenever a temptation comes, I rebuke it not only from the point of view that it pleases God and it is the right thing by discipline to do, but I rebuke it because the devil doesn't know my pleasures have changed. Devil, try again because my pleasures aren't in that temptation. As I have always said, and I give it as examples quite often, I'll do it again. Joseph, you're getting called on a lot today. I'll call on you again. Would you stand up for me, please? Would you turn around for everybody? Amen. You may be seated. The devil can't tempt me with that pleasure. Amen. Now, there were some of you. Mm, mm, mm. Help me, Jesus. Male or female, I don't know what we got in this church this morning, but somebody might be like, oh, whew. sit them down, pastor, sit them down. That's enough. But me, no pleasure in that. Devil doesn't tempt me with homosexuality. He doesn't come at me with homosexuality because there's no pleasure in that. But what does he tempt me with? Perversion of heterosexuality. 30 years almost, come on. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. I want to get to the point when the devil brings up the pleasures of perversion, I look at it like I just looked at Joe B. That the devil doesn't even have a hook in me for it. Because my eternal pleasures are in the Lord. And if he determined that this is what is good for me, and let me just pause right here. Now we go beyond just the commands. If God told you it's good to be single as he told me to be single for almost 10 years, that is good for you. And you don't even get drawn into a Christian relationship, a godly relationship, because if God told you that you will find your pleasure in singleness, then you better be ready to do it. Can I hear an amen? I was a bachelor to the rapture, kicking and screaming the whole way down uh, that 10-year process. But if I could do it over again, I wish I could have only found my joy in Jesus. Some of y'all don't know to say amen or oh my on that one. 
But that was true. Seriously, I'm like, dear God, can I please go this way and find a wife? And God's like, no, come this way. And I'm getting drawn this way. And I'm like, but God, she sings and loves worship. No, come with me. I'm talking kicking and screaming 10 years. If you would have saw me at the altar, I would have been praying. Nobody knows the single troubles I face. I mean, you know, I had to go, I had to be single for almost 10 years after being a wild, sexually active teenager because I had that temptation. But I, I said, if I could do it over again, how would I do those 10 years of celibacy full of the joy of God? No pleasure in sexual intimacy until the Lord says, now it's time. That's how it gets real in your heart because some of the things won't even be commands that you can point to the black and white things of God. The Lord told me not to listen to secular music for almost 20 years. For me, all secular music was wrong. God told me not to watch movies for almost eight years because all of that the world was putting into me was wrong. And I've told you some of those stories before, but i got to be honest, during those times, there was still a sense of, well, I could find pleasure if the, if, if the, the script switched, you know, and I was missing what God was trying to teach me. God was trying to teach me that not only is it right to have the commands, but it's also more pleasurable. You see, the joy of folly is not pleasure. God wants us to learn that only true joy comes from God. I love the way C.S. Lewis talks about it. He talks about a sea captain walking by a bad neighborhood, the slums of England, and seeing a little boy with a makeshift uh, ship that he put together, something that he made out of sticks and, and, and garbage and paper and plastics, he tells the story of this Navy officer finding a young boy playing in a puddle filled with dirt and grime, think of a Chicago pothole, with his little ship he made of garbage. And the Navy officer, the ship captain, asking the little boy, do you want to ride on a real ship? Do you want to go onto the ocean? And then the boy, not knowing, I and mean, we're not going to deal with the stranger issue here. That would be stranger danger in our time. You better call a stranger danger if any man says you want to go ride on my ship, okay? But this is the story of back in those days. You could say something like this. And the little boy going, no, no, I like this. He says, that's what sinners are in the face of God as he's asking them to come on to the ocean. You see, we really are so deceived by joy. It's not that the world has so much of it and we become prunes and religious people. No, it's they really have none of it and we're not hungry, for, hungry enough for the real joy. It's not that you have too much joy and now temptation over here is equivalent to the joy you have. No, if you and I ever find joy or pleasure in a temptation, it is because we have not been so filled with the joy of God. As I've mentioned before, if after a Thanksgiving dinner, you still have room for Taco Bell, you did it wrong. How many after Thanksgiving dinners at your family's house said, yeah, a burrito from Taco Bell would be great right now? Have you ever said that after a Thanksgiving dinner? McDonald's sounds wonderful right now, shall we? No, because you're so full of that which is good, you couldn't put another bite into your mouth, let alone the trash of a fast food restaurant. 
And if you're so full of the joy of God and the love of God, there is nothing there that can ever tempt you because you're already full. And that's where I want to be in not only my love tank, but I want to be there in my joy tank and in my pleasure tank. My wife doesn't owe me anything more than what she's given me. It does start with me. But if my wife says, Joe, I'll join you on this journey, how many know we'll have more pleasure in marriage than anybody ever has had in any naughty video or any steamy movie or any popular book? Can I hear an amen? I don't need 70 shades of gray. I just need my boobster boo. Amen? Can I show you that in the Bible? Go with me to the book of Proverbs. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. I wrote one of these Proverbs down. I got to go to Proverbs. It's going to be right at the beginning, chapter 3, I believe. Go to, yes, uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. Can I show you how God talks to us? How many are ready for this? Can I hear an amen if you're ready? So God says, Joe... I started reading this, and it started making perfect sense. Joe, you don't need a fantasy. You just need to fantasize about your wife every time you're having those feelings. Come on, somebody. There ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. As long as you're married, there ain't nothing wrong. How many know that's true? It's the Bible. What did God tell me? Turn every fantasy towards your wife. And if I wasn't married, turn every pleasure desire towards God. Every pleasure desire towards God. And I believe that you can do that even if you're single because God will give you pleasure there. But this is for the married folks that desire to stay married for the rest of their lives. You don't have to say amen at this. But if I was to ask every married person, have you ever related to what I'm talking about? More than likely, every person would say, I've been there. Thank you, pastor, for keeping it real. And I would say, you're welcome. Amen. Because I want every one of us to make it and I want us to understand why things like this can be pleasurable. But now we will make a determination that it's not just our disciplines. You see, all of those things are my disciplines. But it's not only that that will keep me from the line of sin as we were talking before, but it's the desires of my heart that God will give me in finding satisfaction in them. Are you ready for some of the fav my favorite Bible verses right here? May your fountain be blessed, talking about your wife, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. I can't look at you when I read this. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. I can face you again now. <laughs> How many know God put some good stuff in there? He's teaching us you can find joy in a woman's body if you're a man that has heterosexual tendencies. But those breasts, as he said, won't satisfy you unless you're first satisfied in God not being a fool. Because how many know people go to Hooters every week and they're still not satisfied? Isn't that crazy? We got restaurants like that in our culture and people go to it and they stay in business but they're never satisfied, are they? But can you be satisfied with your wife, husbands, according to the Lord? Yes, because what is the other alternative? Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife or a wife that is not your own? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? 
Why would I want Kim Kardashian? Because Kim Kardashian will lead me to a life of dissatisfaction. Come on. Why would I want anything that is presented before me as beauty but is not my wife? Why would I want that? Will that intoxication satisfy my soul? Of course it won't. Now look at your sin. Will that gossip satisfy you? No. Turn your concerns into prayer. Do not be intoxicated by gossip. Will getting drunk and having addictions satisfy your soul? No, stay in love with Jesus. Be addicted to reading the Word of God. Stop putting your, your time on Facebook and put your face in His book. Amen? He's here for you to fall in love with and to get to know and to have a relationship with. A few more verses in closing. How many are being encouraged? I want to show you Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. Daryl, would you come, please? Do you know that one day all the righteous are going to rejoice when all the wicked leave? So why not rejoice now and get rid of the wickedness in your life? Amen? See, we need to stop rejoicing in that which is going to leave. Is adultery going to stay upon the earth? No. Are gossipers going to stay upon the earth? No. Any other sin that you may be dealing with today, pride, is it going to stay on the earth? No. But righteousness will. Look at this. Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Who do you want to be today, righteous or wicked? Which one, saints? Go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 10. God, I pray you keep us in your holiness and give us a deep desire for that which is good. I think about this when it comes to my diet. They say when you want to lose weight, the first thing you have to do is stop trying to diet, change your lifestyle. Because diets will have you in and out of weight loss. Have you ever been there before? Lost weight on a diet, stopped keeping the diet, and then gained it right back. That's what I was doing a lot of. So I began to understand, change your lifestyle. So one of my snacks, as you could call it that, is milk. And I would drink the, the thick kind, 2%. So you know what? In my lifestyle, I drink almond milk now. So it's not that milk is bad. It's just I can't drink milk like how I want to and have it come from a cow without gaining weight because you are what you eat. I start looking like it. I don't know what an almond really is going to do there for me, but you get the cow example. Get all big. So I drink almond milk. I still drink milk, but I drink almond milk. Guess what I crave now when I want milk? Almond milk. My cravings have changed based on the discipline of having the pleasure. I had the discipline. I wouldn't be that, in that pleasure anymore. That was a discipline. That, that took an effort. But now the pleasure has changed. Same thing is with our snacks. I can go for salty snacks, chips, lays to be specific, with hot sauce. Those those plain lays with hot sauce, mm, all day, all day. But what did we have to do? Put nuts in the house. I can still make them taste good with the hot sauce, but now I get protein instead of all of those carbohydrates that are not good for what I'm, what I'm on right now. I eat the nuts. But I had to make a change in my discipline to help my desire.
If some of you are thinking right now, God just zap me. Okay, Jesus, zap me. Let me try it again. Lord, have the other preacher lay their hands on me. Zap me. Take away the pleasure. It doesn't work like that. Your pleasures will change as you change your habits and your disciplines. As you begin to put your effort into what you desire, faith becomes a reality. Faith is what saves us alone, but faith is never alone. Every person of faith had action. Faith without deeds is dead. So Joe, what's your solution? I stop allowing fantasies to intrigue my pleasure. I discipline my mind to whenever a thought of sexuality comes, I turn it towards the proverb and satisfaction in my wife and the loving doe that she is. I do that enough, I hope to talk to you in three to five years from now, you can ask me that I take no pleasure in fantasies of sin. Those of you in the gossip, those of you into pride, those of you into anger and outbursts of it, you keep disciplining the action and turning, and in that place of moving away from the sin, you begin to then desire what God has, the discipline and the desire will equal the change of the pleasure. It's not the discipline only, and it's not just the matter of the will, I'm going to change my desire, I'm going to change my desire. It is the discipline with the change of desire in the habit of continuation that will change your pleasures. How many believe that today? Amen, I believe that. I believe it. I don't believe God wants me to just fight my sin from the strength of discipline and the power that he gives me. I believe he wants my heart to be so changed that I only see the joy of God in everything that I do. And going back to that young lady who wrote that review, if she can begin to see that her problems or her issues stem from the lack of joy in God's presence, that if she can begin to go to the presence of God and shun the sin of her life and put her heart on the things of God, her desires, her pleasures will change. And as those change, the turmoils and the anguish of her life will go. How many believe there's rewards to serving Jesus in holiness? Amen. That's what I want to close with. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When there's no longer men who take pleasure in adultery, the city will rejoice. No one will do it anymore. Husbands will stay with their wives and marriages will succeed. When there's no more joy in violence, the city will rejoice and say, now we can finally go out at night. When there's no more gossip, when there's only people helping each other, doing unto others as they want done to themselves, the city will rejoice and there will be true honesty among people because they won't fear being gossiped about. When there's humility in place of pride and greed, people will begin to rejoice in the city because they'll see your success as a win for them because when you get lifted up, they go with you. But we all have to change what we desire right now. Some of you, and I didn't have time to talk about greed, but let me hit it in closing. Some of you, money is like sex. It can be good or it can be bad, but you're going to have it one way or the other. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Unless you all don't want money. You all don't have any money? I'm going to say this again. Money like sex, it's one of the only things that can have, you're going to have it either way, so now you got to determine it. See, drunkenness will never be good. 
Gossip will never be good. But how many know money can be good, just like sex can be good? And most of us are going to have it one way or the other. You're going to have money one way or the other. Therefore, it will be good, a bless, being blessed to be a blessing, or it will be the root to all kinds of evil. Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, going back to this money thing, it's not wrong for you to want a desire to be blessed. To see yourself driving a nice car, owning properties or businesses, nothing wrong with that. But in that desire, do you desire the pleasure of lording over people? To having what others don't so they idolize you now. Because you had to come up and you used to idolize all these people. And you said, when I'm going to be up there, I'm going to be like this. you know. And is your desire more based on spite and revenge and pride? Look at me, I'm self-made. Or do you look at you having things as being blessed to be a blessing? Because the pleasure of what you do with wealth determines where your heart is. The Bible talks about treasures and it talks about pleasures. And they both determine where your heart is. God wants to raise up millionaires and billionaires that find their pleasure and treasure in Him. Amen? How many want to get one of those answers to prayer? Amen? God, you've done it before. Do it again. But when the wicked perish, there's shouts of joy. At one, at one point, we're going to be happy when all of this leaves. And so we ought to act like it now. just want to give you... Another scripture in closing, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The application for today is change the disciplines and the desires will follow and then your pleasures will change and that will become the new you. Renewing of the mind, this taps on Romans 12. I wish I had time to get into it, but I really wanted you to see it in the Proverbs today and through some of these statements about temptation because it's not just the renewing of the mind in a like esoteric way. Well, I just think I'm flexible like water. Oh, I think about nothingness. No, the renewing of the mind is what we just talked about. When I am tempted, I will renew my mind to think about my wife instead of the pleasure of that fantasy. And as I do that continually, I will be able to test and approve God's perfect will. Look at what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. God is faithful. How many know God is faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can what? Endure it. That's where I want us to be. Because temptation will only be pleasurable if we do not ask the Lord to deliver us from it and to change our desires. As I pointed to Joe B. earlier, Joby could come here in makeup. Joby could come here with short shorts on, okay? Joby could take off his shirt and wash my car and put soap suds all over himself, okay? But I will not be tempted by that. That will not cross my mind. And I'm sorry to give you guys that visual. I'm just saying... What I grew up as a kid watching the 80s roller skating car wash will not work with Joe B. And I don't want it to work with the girls I used to see in there. I want to be able to say, ah, oh, it's disgusting. And I love that about my wife. I, I spoke so much about her as a help and a guide for me. But 
I won't put her sin or issues out here, what she's you know, asking God to take the desire of. But you know what I love about her as we've watched movies and we've been a part of different things is that whenever she sees adultery, whenever she sees perversion, she always goes, she always goes, that's gross. Let's turn that off. It catches even before me in a movie. You know, like you're just watching it. We don't watch nudity. But even in the movie, she catches it even before me because it's gross to her. Even though a man being with a woman could be normal, but if that man is, you know, that woman, they're not married, that's gross. And I thank God that I'm married to her. And if you don't have a spouse that can guard you in your weaknesses like that, find an accountability partner where they can tell you as a TI is that anything that you're battling with as in pleasure, they can say, no, that is gross. That's not what you want. That's like, a girl, don't you wear that. That's like a, a, a ring and a pig's snout. Can I hear some girlfriends talk like that this week? You might get slapped, girlfriend, but at least you told them the word. Mm, you look like a pig with a, a gold ring in the snout. But how many know we need that? Brother, don't we need that? You got daughters. Don't we need that? Do you want them dressing like J-Lo and Shakira at the halftime show? Come on. I don't want that in my daughters. I want someone to raise them up in this youth group to help teach them as I'm teaching them, amen, as my wife is teaching them. And, and, and let, let's just be honest, fellas. If somebody tells you, man, that's gross, and you're talking about all this perverted stuff, you need to check yourself. Because sometimes even Christian men say, well, you know what, man, I'm not lusting. I'm just appreciating the beauty. No, man, that's gross. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody else's wife. You don't have permission to look her up and down like that. We need to be like that in the church because we'll get respect from the world like that. I guarantee you, they may not respect all the things that we know about the Trinity. They may not understand everything that we believe about the rapture and the millennial reign of Christ, but they'll respect us when we're looking at the woman's eyes and not at her chest. They'll respect us when we get angry, we don't cuss them out and slap them, amen. They'll respect us when we tell the truth on the job, even if it means the other person gets the promotion. They'll respect us as we start living as people with common sense according to the word and not fools taking joy in folly but we show them that our joy comes from the presence of the Lord and pleasures at his right hand forevermore if you believe it can you stand up give it up for Jesus one more time and say my joy is in you Lord come on somebody say my joy is in you Jesus band and altar workers would you come please in prayer let's look at our hearts I was very honest and transparent with you would you now look at your own hearts? First and foremost, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you repent of your sin? You're not on the edge. You've already crossed over the edge. The Bible says you've fallen short of the glory of God. So today you can come to Christ, be born again, and learn to walk this path of righteousness with us. Simply call out to Jesus and say, I believe you died on the cross, were buried, rose again. You're my Lord and Savior. Pray it right now. Anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as we're praying, I'm praying for you, Lord. I ask that everyone here will come to know and love you, even if you need to come and get prayer as I'm praying. You can come from your seats. We'll dismiss in just a moment. If there's any backsliders here today, in other words, you're not sure of your salvation. You've gone so much over that edge and tried to come back that maybe you've lost your way. You need to start over again. The Bible says as you backslid, now you can slide back to him. Come back in Jesus' name. Start to confess those sins and say, Lord, cleanse me, purify me, make me holy and righteous. Take away the pleasure of sin today. 
If you're a backslider, come on back right now. We welcome you in the name of Jesus. And anyone today who has not been filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, we want to pray with you as well. This is key to your prayer life, key to your spiritual life. But as we apply this message in these last few moments, would you look at your heart? The rest of us should be Christians, right? In good standing with God. Would you look at your heart and now see if there's any battles like how I have confessed to you where there's still a pleasure there. Father, I pray you remove it in Jesus' name, starting with me, O God. And if there's any other sin that I am not aware of that has caused me that kind of pleasure or temptation, I pray you remove it now, Father. Take away the pleasure of that, that temptation. Break the power of that pleasure over my life. Guide me in the proper disciplines and change my desires. Change my desires in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask that before we dismiss that Brother Daryl, you would learn because I know you can do it on the fly, right?